Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your SB Nation canceled our podcast, but Danny and I have a much better idea of where we're going, and we can't wait to share it with all of you soon. Home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're still the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue for a little while longer. Stay tuned to learn more about where to find us after February ends. When baseball begins, I'm Sarah Sanchez. I try to write about why MLB thinks increasing box is a good idea, but sometimes MLB just has terrible ideas. What can I say? While figuring out podcast logistics and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It's going well. Do you see I bought? <laughs> I, I boxed in the middle of my sentence, and I thought that would be a good way to introduce box. Uh, it, actually, I've, I've been a little under the weather. I, you know, I do those my Cubs weather reports for fun out there as I walk around Wrigley Field. My sister suggested I change them to the under the weather reports. <laughs> so, and they really have been. For a while, I was doing weather balloon reports, which was appropriate <laughs> during the one week that we all got scared about weather balloons. That'll be wild when we forget about that again. Anyway, um, I'm, I'm doing uh, not so great, but I'm on the mend. I'm on the antibiotics, knocking it out. I'm on steroids, which is fun. <laughs> so is so is yeah so is say suzuki apparently because Dude, he, Saya he's is jacked. Up. we're gonna talk about say best best shape of his life or like is he's it gonna guy. slow him down i don't know we're gonna have to talk about all of this we're gonna get into it um before we get to say though i think we need to talk about these rules changes and like look we've talked about them on the show before a little bit but but they are here people when games start at spring training on February 25th, the day before my birthday, I would like to add, uh, there will be new rules. There will be bigger bases. There will be um, limited throwovers by the pitcher. There will be a pitch clock. There will be shift rules. And according to Jeff Passan in a piece that he dropped earlier this week on ESPN, one of the things that they are trying to prepare fans and umpires and coaches for is the fact that the enforcement mechanism for all of this pitch for all of this pitch clock wow we're definitely gonna have to edit that out Um, (laughs) no leave it in one more time (laughs) the enforcement mechanism for all of this pitch clock throw over shenanigans (laughs) is is an Increased number of box. Danny, I'm never going to get this one back. Like, <laughs> feel like a three-year-old over here for a minute. You, 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 uh, tell me tell me what you're thinking box. about uh, the increased box that we will be seeing in MLB. Box and clocks. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. I mean, it it's a lot of new changes, and it's all pro runner slash batter i guess maybe the batter doesn't get affected as much um but it's all anti-pitcher i could say that much it's all pro offense which i don't know if they knew that like when there's like high scoring games where like you can't get outs that those games tend to be really long i don't know if they were they remembered that when they were making all these rules my fear and it's not really a fear i am actually interested just i'm more interested to see this cut this start of this season than just about any season within recent memory, except for maybe like 2016 when I knew the Cubs were going to be great. You know, um, the it, it's a, it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of different rules. I, there's going to be a lot of running. I think that's exciting for the game. So I'm, I don't hate it all the balk though. <laughs> you know, I read your article, Sarah was great, you know, and I think that what your point being one of your points is that like, all right, you think the way to get Generation Z into baseball is <laughs> is to enforce an obscure rule that even like leather-worn baseball fans who have been watching this game forever don't know what a balk is. Like sometimes I the balk rule confused me, and it's like you're sitting in the stands. You're like, wait, how do you get on second? <laughs> well, there was a balk. Oh well, I guess I missed it because I looked down for a second. All of a sudden, this guy's trotting to second. I'm like, well, you know, did he get hit? Like, what? You know, it's just it's confusing. It can I, be a little confusing. I was trying for that article to characterize exactly how confusing the Bach rule is for even well seasoned ba- baseball fans, and and luckily um, the mechanism for how you do image searches over there did it for me because I wanted to find pictures of like baseball people being all confused and upset about box and if you if you type the word box into the image search uh feature at SB Nation on the first page you get 
three bucks that occurred in one week in August. And you have Dusty Baker, Luis Garcia from Houston, Alex Colomay, Alex Cora, and they're all just like flummoxed. They're like, what has just happened in this game? And why did that run score? And I, I think about those images and the fact that I didn't even have to search for them. It's, it's literally just what pops up when you say Bach in the SB Nation search bar. And I'm like, we're talking about a rule that confuses Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker has more actual legitimate baseball experience than 99.99% of the population that ever has existed that has experienced baseball. And he gets flummoxed by this rule. And so the mechanism you're using to encourage new fans of a game that they don't understand that they already think is kind of esoteric and opaque, the mechanism for that new fan base is the Bach. That, this is such a colossal mistake on MLB's yeah. part. I mean, the only when I think of Bach, the rules that come to mind that are similar in terms of obscurity are like this new catch stuff in the NFL where nobody knows it's a catch anymore because you have to look at it at super slow-mo replay and make sure that the guy never lost control for a fraction of a second. And it's like, when I was watching the NFL back in the day, I knew what a catch was because the guy grabbed ball, came down with ball. It was catch. We're like, the game just went on. And now we have to like micro analyze seconds to determine if he didn't have control for a, a split fraction of a second and, and touchdowns get overturned and all this other stuff. It's like offsides in soccer where they've got like the computer imagery, like showing you that the one guy's pinky finger was ahead of the runner. And it's like all of these rules that nobody understands. That is what the Bach rule is for MLB. And they are going to have more of them connected to all of their new rules changes. This is a massive fail, Theo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, we'll see kind of how it's practiced because the other thing that's frustrating about boxes is it do, they don't seem to be meted out all that fairly. Like, you know, you brought up the example of Carl Edwards Jr. doing his little toe tap thing. And then all of a sudden, like, it was fine, it was fine, it was fine. And then they're like, no, you can't do it. And it's like, uh, you couldn't have just, like, called us and said, hey, that little thing that Carl Edwards Jr. Like, you were at those games, umpires. Like, you were there at spring training, and then you waited till the regular season. I mean, that's just kind of like being a jerk, you know, like, about it. And and then you have, a you know, a few of the – well, who's the guy that does the rock the baby salsa dance? Well, <laughs> that is Mike Clevenger, who probably won't be pitching for other reasons. But uh, well, they're letting him go to spring. They're, as they I, that is a mistake on the white. That's a mistake on the White Sox part. Like, what was the? I think it was the Tribune or the Sun Times. I don't remember which. And sorry for the White Sox diversion here, people. But Mike Clevenger is under investigation for domestic violence accusations. Uh, the White Sox signed him to a contract while that investigation was ongoing. Apparently, I don't know if the White Sox knew about it or not, but Mike Clevenger certainly did know about it when he signed that contract. Um, either the Sun-Times or the Trib had like a front cover page that was just like, do your due diligence to the White Sox. And yeah. I can't say I blame them. Like after the Tony LaRusso stuff and now the Mike Clevenger stuff, it's just like, are you investigating people at all? Like, what are you doing? I don't understand. But yeah, his, his motion's a perfect example. He's like constantly shaking out there, tapping his feet, whatever. And every time I watch him, I wonder why Carl Edwards Jr. had to change his motion. And if you remember... It totally him. broke CJ, right? Like he spent all of spring working on this new motion. He was doing really good in spring. And then all of a sudden he comes out, they tell him he can't do it. And he's just like, just like explosion. Right. And he ended up going back to AAA. I don't know, like 10 days into the season. And we never saw him again. He got traded for Brad Wick, the Wick, not the Wack, the Wick, the, the tall one. The, the he got traded for the Wyatt. tall one. Who apparently is coming back this year, which is great. He was a, he was a solid bullpen arm, but anyway, we'll call him uppercase Wick. <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know. Upper lowercase. I can't imagine. Like that's a perfect example of of fans being frustrated. Like, oh, so CJ's move is a balk, but Clevenger's move is not. But Kenley Jansen's move is not. But like, this is yeah. ridiculous. It, I predict it's going to fail. Definitely. Luis Garcia is the one that I was watching. They were talking about this Bach thing. And so a lot of people are sharing and he does, he rocks a baby like Clevenger does, but then he, he does like a three part dance step and it's like totally, it's not a toe tap. Like he is back and forth and um, he got called for multiple box in one game. 
but then they didn't call it after that, you know? And so it's just so arbitrary when it's meted out. And that's the thing that's frustrating. Like if it was something that was obvious to everybody and like, you know, box are, I mean, there's funny ones like when they just dropped the ball accidentally. Like, those are funny box, and that's fine. Like, I watched Strowman drop the ball last year. He just kind of yeah. stumbled off the mound, and that was a balk, you know. And But normally, it's like you have to come to the set position. You If you're going to – and if you're going to – you can't fake to a base. Yeah. If you're going to if you're gonna throw over and you start to make the move, you got to complete the move. You got to throw. I mean, that's what a basic balk is. And so what, what you're tying that into – is the throw over rule now, which you only get the two throws over or, or um, disengagements from the rubber. Correct. Yes, that's right. And, yeah. and the thing that is, and, and I understand, and I think I said this in the piece, like I understand why if you are a baseball type, a front office baseball type, it is elegant to tie the penalties for pitchers and runners interrelating to each other to the rule that already exists about pitchers and runners and how they interrelate, which is the Bach rule. But I think it's a mistake because even well-seasoned fans like Danny and I don't watch baseball games and like, aha, I saw the Bach and like (laughs) understand immediately what is going on. So all you're going to do is create a massive amount of confusion. Like I thought that dude was on second. Now he's on third. What is going on? I don't know. There always is that guy in the stands though. That's like, it's a balk. <laughs> like, like, under, that is Al. You know, That's why Al's not worried exa- about any of this. Exactly. Al's like, this is amazing. They're finally <laughs> enforcing the balk rule. He's not coming set. He's just winding right through that motion. He does not stop for a... And they don't, you know, and a lot of them don't. And a lot of them don't stop at, at that set, at the belt position, you know, that classic, like, stop, and then you're into the lineup. You know, some of them just kind of... You know, Stropey would quick pitch you, and that's against the rules of the balk rule. Like, quick pitches are – you have to be ready, but at the same time, now they're saying, hey, you got to be ready. So right. you got 15 seconds. Batter's got, what, only Eight. seven. Yeah, it, no more Garcia Parra. Thank God he's out of the league <laughs> because he, he would only get, like, one strap done before he'd be back to be back in that box. I was really thinking about – Wilson Contreras does the glove thing, like, where he, like, takes the gloves off and puts them back on and, like – He's very clearly trying to like game the pitcher a little bit. It actually worked out super well in that David Bodie ultimate grand slam at bat, which Wilson wound up kind of setting up while he was messing around uh, with Ryan Madsen out there. But yeah, no, I <laughs> that's all gone. Like batters can't do that stuff anymore. I'm like the pitch is going to come and you're done. <laughs> I'm glad about, I'm glad about that. That's fine because you know, it is, that's the main thing. It's like, it's not about how long the game is, although they would like to get it under three hours, like decidedly under three hours, which I think we're all fine with because it's like some of these games can really drag on. You're like, and it's like, you're already over three hours and you're like, it's the sixth. Like what is going on out there? It's only four to three. Like this should <laughs> be. The, that's the problem. Like yeah. if it's been three hours, it's the sixth inning and the Cubs are up 18 to nothing over the pirates. You know exactly where your three what? hours yeah. went. You're looking forward to three more innings and you're, you're stoked, right? Like it is a day to be at Wrigley field. The Cubs are putting up an epic amount of runs and everything is happy. But if you've been there for three hours, it is the third inning and the score is two to one. Everybody in the stands is like, what is going on right now? And it's because they're jerking around out there. I mean, they are. They are doing the batting gloves and they're looking down. And like, I think this is interesting because you got you got to know the signs. And uh, this was said last night on the Sun Ranto show. Somebody uh, texted this in, actually, uh, about, uh, oh, no, maybe it was infield fly girl that said it. It was infield fly girl. Talking to some of these young players, they don't know anything. They don't know the signs. They don't know anything about they wait for the coach to come up and tell them exactly what's supposed to happen next. And that's and then they got their little card that tells them where to stand and, and what to do when this guy and they because you know the first base coach really is like, this guy's got a good move, take two steps, like or whatever, like uh, 63 inches, you know, whatever he's telling them to do. And it's like, um, you know, it, it, so to me, it's like that speeds up that whole process. These guys got to be smarter. They've got to be prepared. They're, otherwise, they're going to get caught flat-footed. They're going to get picked off base, which, uh, you know, I, I don't think this totally benefits the runner. Because, and it doesn't totally – and the batter's got to be ready to hit. 
you know, and you got to be in there and there's no like looking down and for the sign and, oh, is this a hit and run? You got to do all that all much quicker. And so I think it's interesting that they'll put that pressure on these guys. And I don't want to hear any complaining because it's like, hey, you're like a professional. You're the best at this in the world. So you should be able to perform at this high level and go read a book, memorize some of these charts, you know, like the old guys used to do where intelligence was rewarded. And you weren't just, you know, some guy playing a mathematician's game. Now, like, the, it kind of puts it back into the player's hands to get out there and play the game because there's no time for all this coaching and, and you know, <laughs> cards and things, you know. Well, that's exactly right. And I, I think another thing that gets talked about a lot on fantasy baseball podcasts, but I don't hear it as much uh, when people are just talking about, like, their favorite teams and whatnot, is how much it will impact – the stuff that an individual pitcher has, right? Like if you're a pitcher who can wait 90 seconds between pitches, okay, nobody's waiting full 90 seconds, but think, just think about lifting weights, right? Like the longer you wait, the more max effort you can piece together back to back to back to back. That is particularly true if you're a reliever and your goal is to just come in and throw the 15 to 20 nastiest pitches that you can throw during the course of an inning. If you no longer have 40 seconds to recover between pitches. You have to recover in 20 seconds or 15. You can't throw as hard. (laughs) And all of those skyrocketing strikeout rates that we have seen over the last few years, like the lack of hits, the lack of offense in the game, those are going to, I think, be impacted by pitchers no longer being able to have that max effort delivery every single time. And it doesn't mean they're not going to get an out. You got eight guys behind you or seven guys behind you to make some plays, you know. So, you know, just be one of those pitch to contact guys. And that's another thing that you want to see is diving catches and guys are running all around. And, you know, you know, and like strikeouts are kind of boring. I mean, a big strikeout in a game is is fun. Like, you know, when it's just batter, you know, man versus man, mano a mano, and they're going at each other, and the, the it's a battle between the pitcher and the batter, and your pitcher strikes the guy out on the 3-2 count in the game. Those strikeouts are fun. But most mostly, it's kind of a non-thing. The, sta- the fielders are all just standing around waiting. You know, game with 20 strikeouts, like the, the guys are – the left fielder doesn't even move. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, Woods 20 strikeout game, you know, it's just like, you know, the guys are taking a nap out there. Well, and I, the strikeout thing is interesting because you're right that strikeouts can be very interesting, but one, they're more interesting when there's runners on because you got to run around second and third, all of a sudden, like all that guy has to do is get any type of single, depending on the number of outs, maybe just make contact and a run is going to score Two. The some of those at bats you're talking about, like I'm thinking specifically of when Anthony Rizzo was battling whoever that Cardinals pitcher was, and it was like he hits a home run on like the 15th pitch or whatever. And you knew, like, as the at bat went on, as it got to 10 and 11, and he wasn't able to get Rizzo out, and Rizzo kept fouling balls off, and Molina's going out there to talk to the guy and everything else. Like, you knew Rizzo was just getting the edge there, and that he he was obviously gonna tee off on this dude, and it was amazing. Or three. You're in a situation where a pitcher has established himself as dominant and now you're looking at strikeout records, you're looking at a no-hitter, you're looking at those types of things. But even then, and I mean, I'll just ask you, do you think that the first strikeout Kerry Wood got on that day was that impressive to people? Probably not. Like, it probably wasn't until somebody looked down at their scorecard and they're like, huh, this guy struck out five guys in two innings. What's going on here? That people started catching on and really getting into it. I do that all the time. Uh, where I'm looking at, I'm watching a game and I'm like, I look down in the third inning. I'm like, oh, there are no hits. I'm super into this now. There are no hits. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just when a guy's really fooling somebody, uh, uh, Jake Arietta spin balls and stuff like that, where like guys are just swinging at balls you know, outside the zone. And, and when somebody is that unhittable for a long period of time is always impressive. And when strikeouts go along with that, it can be even more impressive because you're really just on top of your game with fooling the batter. But, it, you know, and so home runs are boring, too. And it's, so that's what we were getting, strikeouts, home runs. Like, it's fun. The ball goes to the wall. We all slap five, da-da-da. But the man w- runs around at, like, a quarter speed of actually running, and he trots. It literally is called a home run trot. And it's like – and then they slap five, and you're all happy because you scored some runs or sad because they did. And But it's not an exciting play. You know, it the only the only exciting part is when the ball gets hit 
and he hit it really far. And that's, that's exciting. But the actual, the time that it takes in the game is, you know, kind of, it takes a long time for not to be like the most exciting action I've ever seen. So strikeouts kind of same thing. It's like, you know, it's, it, it's, it does, there's not a lot of, there's not people, there's not as many people running around. There's nobody running around, you know, in those plays. So if they yeah. get more of that going, cause it, I mean, the one thing it's kind of ridiculous that I think we'll notice is the bigger bases. Cause that's also <laughs> pro runner. And it's just, I love the memes going around. I, These I did bases couple- brought to you by Roman. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was one, I did one that was, uh, the, sm- the small bases me pre COVID and the big bases <laughs> me post COVID. Nice. I also did the same joke for like Sammy Sosa on the White Sox and Sammy Sosa on the Cubs <laughs> because he was he was a bigger base for the Cubs. Let's just put it that way. Indeed. But but you know th- that I think that's going to look weird. We'll get used to it. Whatever. But um, you know, it's all to encourage stolen bases. And when I was growing up in the '80s and getting into baseball, that was a big part of the game is running and bunting and things like that. And the Cubs never really had a guy that could do it. I mean, we, the Cardinals ran roughshod all over us during that period, you know, Ozzie Smith and Lonnie Wilson, Lonnie Smith. I forget. There's Lonnie, no, I know exactly. You're talking Vince about. Coleman. Me. Yeah. And then Ricky Henderson, of course, the greatest of all time. Um, the goat, as they would say. And so I, that's a fun part of the game singles as good as a double when you got a guy like that it's pretty cool um cubs tried to run a lot last year maybe in preparation for this next year because they just see what they had on the base paths half those guys are gone anyway but um we got some guys that can run bellinger can run um so i think i think hap is going to take advantage of this. Um, we, the cat, neither the catchers can run. <laughs> like, okay, the catcher, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I, I don't, I don't acknowledge that the Cubs have any catchers on the roster. They, there, they need, there are no catchers on the Cubs roster. Uh, well, they'll be back there. They're, call them pitching enhancers. Sure. Cause that's what they're there for. Cause it's not like of well, <laughs> these aren't well-rounded characters out here, but they, I think they're good. They're good receivers. Um, anyway, yeah, sure. <laughs> but how but how much more important is the catcher going to be now too to try to stop, be such a big part of ru- that running game back picks things like that those are exciting plays as well throwing down to second base one of my favorite photographs to take from the left field bleachers is um of somebody trying to steal second base and sliding in cuz i got a perfect yeah. view of it right there out in the left field corner and it's and it's i take some of my greatest pictures of that so i anticipate next year's Cubs calendar that I make having um, a, a, a lot of uh, stolen base attempts, maybe swiped out. Now too bad. Javi's not around anymore. Cause that right? those, those tags, Javi and Wilson really would have connected on quite a few. Uh... I can't, I can't talk about it. I'm still angry. Um, speaking, you know, let's, let's actually take a break right there. Let, let's take a break while I go like vent a little bit about Javi and Wilson <laughs> playing for different teams on the flip side. We'll come back. The Cubs uh, added to their bullpen Cubs pitchers and catchers have reported and say Suzuki is jacked, man, but we'll talk about all of that on the flip side. First, a quick word from our sponsors. All right, Danny. Pitchers have reported, catchers have reported, podcasters have reported for duty. It is spring training. Baseball is just around the corner. How are you feeling just like 10,000 foot global overview as pitchers and catchers report in Mesa? I mean, it's it's funny because you start seeing the pictures come in and like you said, say is all swole up with muscles and that's cool. Um, you know, everybody's, you know, retweeting this guy hitting a batting practice home run in the desert and like it's it's nice to see that they're down there and, and getting going the next the first game is actually not till next saturday i'm more interested in that like you know i know they're not really trying to win but at least i can pretend it's real baseball that we haven't had in a while but it's just nice to see it getting getting back going i can't i i'm ex, i'm more excited about um seeing all these rules being tried out in spring training that we were just talking about like Cause you know, people, cause the defensive shift being gone and stuff. So, you know, the people will probably try some weird, um, outfield line, um, outfield, um, uh, not lineup, but, um, positionings. So I'm excited to kind of see some of that going on. I'm just, you know, 
it's uh, I wish I was go- I, kind of the reason is I, I'm a little sad that I don't I can't go this year and I go to sp- spring training a lot, but I'm a little sad about it. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, I don't care about spring training. That's like, <laughs> you know, that's my personal like how I'm getting through it by acting like, well, I'll, I'll see it when it gets to Wrigley, when it's real big boy baseball, then we'll watch it. And and I'm just um, fooling myself that I don't want to be in Arizona drinking a beer at the burb and watching uh, the boys of su- of spring. Um, turn into the boys of summer. Man, the berm out there at Sloan Park is so, so, it's such a great place to hang out. I was out there during the Arizona Fall League and it's honestly, it's just a cool place to be. If you get a chance to go to Cub Spring Training, you should certainly go. I am not going to Cub Spring Training this year. I am going to spend some time in Miami uh, at the World Baseball Classic. Might see a spring training game out there as well. But we, my, my friend Palmer and I decided that if we had to choose between the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, or Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico, that that was a pretty easy decision, and we were going to pick the Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, and Venezuela because those teams are stacked. Danny, I'm so excited yeah. about the World Baseball Classic. And me too. Me too. I'm more excited about the WBC than spring training, even because they're those guys are actually playing for more than. Well, it's not even about the money in MLB. It's all about the money in your career and, you know, keeping your job and stuff. But World Baseball Classic, they're playing like for passion and bragging rights. And, uh, you know, that I mean, I never go for the United States. Like, I know that might seem like me uh, either. Yeah, I really I always wanted to be like Puerto Rico or the Dominican, anybody else in Japan. Like I, I want I'm sure somebody hates us like, for this. I'm sure some listener out there thinks we are not patriotic over here. But like, I don't know, man, I can cheer for like Puerto Rico bought out the island's worth of bleach last time. There was no bleach to dye your hair blonde on the island of Puerto Rico because everybody was so into their World Baseball Classic team. And how can you not cheer for that? I don't understand. That's the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah. And the United States already has a lot of major league baseball. So like we're spoiled. We're all fans of that. So I get why we're not as big of fans of, of like the WBC, uh, at least of our own team, because we already have our own American team and it's for me, it's the Cubs, you know? So it's, I, so I, I have trouble going for that, but I, but having visited the stadiums in the Dominican Republic and Iran Bithorn stadium in Puerto Rico, like it just plays out quite differently with a lot more excitement and like vibe in the stands. And like, I went to the Caribbean world series and all these Dominican people flew to Puerto Rico next Island over. And it was a giant party full of musical instruments and dancing. And it was one of the most fun baseball games I've ever been to in my life. And so that, that is just makes it very different. Than you know, being in the bleachers doing YMCA. <laughs> and so <laughs> there's nothing wrong with being in the bleachers doing no. YMCA for the record. But I, I agree with you. There is something very cool about watching the ways all the other countries cheer for baseball that is just different Pride. than what well, the United States does. And I, I like it. There is none of this like play the game the right way stuff that, that happens when the Dominican Republic is playing Puerto Rico. It is like we are going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate a lot. We're going to celebrate loud. And then you're going to celebrate and you're going to celebrate a lot and you're going to celebrate loud. And it's great. Those are the players that are going to keep Gen Z in baseball. You know, yes, that it's I not, agree. it's not, not, rules. not balk rules. Yeah. It's, it's encouraging uh, a lot more fun and dancing and, you know, but so we'll, but, and we'll see some of that. I mean, so I, the problem is it's going to be tough to watch. And it, it, you have to, I know that only MLB network is carrying, I don't know, all the games, but a fair amount of the games. And once again, it's like a piecemeal sort of televised thing. And so that's also been a difficult way to get people to consume the product because they don't allow you to, uh, you know, YouTube TV, I guess, drops uh, MLB network and you know, they don't carry uh, uh, marquee. So everybody's asking a lot of questions out there and it's just like, could we please just pay you $30 and then we could just watch it on our iPads. Like it is the easiest thing. And you're like, Oh, why aren't people in the world baseball classic? Why can't we sell these games? It's like, because you don't let us, (laughs) we want to see it, but you don't let us. I totally agree. Everybody's just stealing it through like, you know, uh, those illegal stream websites that put viruses on your computer. You know, it's just like, 
it's 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 ridiculous how they've and it's been they've had 30 years to fix this and they don't do it and they're i guess they're close you know but well i don't know if they're close i speaking of though i I do think we should talk about and i didn't put this in the notes so i apologize for just kind of dropping this on you but it seems like the bali sports regional stations which does not include marquee sports network for the record marquee is owned by the cubs and yes is owned by the yankees and all that jazz but all of those bali sports networks are about to go bankrupt it looks like their overseer diamond group or whatever uh, is going bankrupt and has st- just stopped, didn't pay like $140 million that they had to, if I were MLB and I had just hired a guy whose job was to look at how we could restructure this blackout situation to try to make it so that fans in Iowa don't get blacked out from half the league on any given night, I would use this as an opportunity to restructure whatever agreements you have with all those regional carriers, because there are so many of them to eliminate blackout rules. It's such a no brainer opportunity that I just don't understand how that can't happen before the start of the 2023 season. Cause they drag their feet on this stuff and they still think that people have cable and they don't, you know, it's, I, I haven't had cable in 13 years or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, I, you have I, Wrigley though. You you can just go to the ballpark. <laughs> I had more access when I lived in New York City. I had more access to Cubs games than I do in living a mile from the park. Um, as far as like watching it on TV, um, I know other like there was 2020. I watched it on Jeff's porch because he had uh, the because he has cable. You know, I mean, I always found a way to watch it. Um, MLB, I, the radio. I consume so many games on the radio, and then with my MLB app. Uh, subscription I can watch the condensed game later and it's you know 10 minutes and I see everything that happened um and um and I experienced it through Pat Hughes or Miguel uh Esparza and the Spanish radio broadcast so it's like you know but millennials and or probably not even millennials uh younger than that Gen Z um, they're never going to have cable. They're never, ever going to sit to, you know, I, they can't I watch it. your Bach educational video because they don't have cable and they don't have MLB network. Yeah. And, and so they don't have the network. So they're consuming things all through YouTube and things like, so if you don't get on board with that or have a standalone streaming app, you're going to lose that generation, no matter how many new bulk rules you make, you know, it's because you can't consume the product. So I don't understand, like, you, you know, that's the main thing I think in, that they have to fix. Um, letting you see, letting you see, and there's a lot of games too. So it's like you, you're up there 162 a year and that's a lot of television hours to and eyeballs you need to fill that time, especially if you're not a team that's in the, in the hunt for, you know, I will say that one thing MLB has announced this year that is a good development, so credit where it's due since we spent like half the show uh, criticizing MLB's front offices, they are going to include minor league games in your MLB package this year. So if you do get the MLB package and you stream and all that jazz and you can actually stream like the South Bend Cubs games and the iCubs games and you can see these guys that the front office wants us to be really excited about. So that is cool. I thought one of the best things Marquis did was start to show us some of that uh, minor league content. Cause I, I know you can buy that package separately and you can do it on your own or whatever, but a lot of people don't most casual baseball fans are not going to include that, but you make it part of the thing they already have. And yeah, they'll absolutely tune in to watch a Smokies game on a Wednesday night when they don't have anything else going on. So that was smart. Good job. MLB. Yeah. No, at the, the more content we can get and not to mention the fact this lat during this, the winter last year, I subscribed to Lightum, which is the Dominican league. And uh, this year that wasn't available. It was a pretty wonky app to be honest. So it didn't work real great, but this year MLB is like, Ooh, subscribe to Lightum and you can watch all the Lightum games. But it wasn't as it, it was just as wonky and you couldn't find a schedule. You couldn't like, they just, so hopefully they do better because they've always done pretty poorly with their app too. So they, I hope they do well. It's always been wonky. There were times where like the home and road feed were all mixed up and like the audio's wrong. Like the more choices you can give people, we've been dreaming about this forever. The fact that I can watch the game on uh marquee and choose to have Miguel Esparza's voice speaking to me in Spanish as I practice Spanish 
It's freaking awesome. Or if I would rather listen to Pat Hughes while I watch the game instead of Boog, you know, I like being able to have that capability. Um, even alternative pro- broadcasts, like, oh, let's let's do one with Dempster and Grace, you know, and like let people tune into that. And let's do one with Sarah and Danny. There you Why go. not? A, a like, come watch cast. a baseball game with me and Danny, and like hear what it's like to hang out in the bleachers. <laughs> Some of the Taiwanese leagues were doing that, and they and guess what? It was great for fan engagement because everybody felt like they were part of the team. And so when you include the fans that way, it's 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 a great idea. And a lot of people have kind of started that process of you know that kind of fan generated content. I mean, I know we're on it. You know, as far I was going to say, I'm, what we are here. Well, Crawley and I, we live. called. Well, we called a game uh, from the stands <laughs> last year over this one app and uh, people tuned into it and they're like, this is awesome. You know, the, the people really enjoyed it because they, but we, it was hard, you know, strike one, strike two. It's harder to pay attention to all that stuff yeah. the whole time. But they also kind of got like us talking to ushers and sneaking down to box seats, which we did. And like, that's that's fun stuff. You know, that's fun content for people in 162 games. You might want a little variety is in. So the more choices they give us, the better. But they just need they are always trying to figure out how they can nickel and dime us for choosing all the choices we want, you know, so every time Uh, let's talk about some of these players. I'm going to start with Michael Fulmer, who joins a really crowded bullpen. And like the question that I get asked most often by fantasy baseball types is who is closing for the Chicago Cubs. And look, y'all, I I have no idea. Roster resource over at Fangraphs lists four possible guys who could close for the Cubs. Adbert Alzali, Brandon Hughes, Brad Boxberger. No, Rowan Wick isn't even listed as a closer right now. Somebody else I'm blanking on. It's not Fulmer yet. Fulmer got added and he's like the fifth possible closing option. I would also add that I think if Cody Hoyer comes back healthy, he might close. Jeremiah Estrada has a live arm. He could theoretically close. I mean, this is one of those situations where real life baseball is better than fantasy baseball. If you were the Chicago Cubs, you love that you have like seven guys who could be your option to close out the game. And if you are a fantasy player, go look for saves somewhere else because you're not going to find them easily in the Cubs bullpen. (laughs) No, no. It's going to be closer by committee. It's going to be all matchups. And that... And that's kind of how the back end of the rotation is too. So, you know, you got to get the mix of like, we don't, we'll see who's even in the rotation, you know, who comes out of the, the gate healthy. And cause you might be with the Adrian Sampson back on that end. You know what I mean? You're Keegan Thompson kind of pitching out of the pad. Maybe he's taking two, three innings. Maybe they're doing the piggyback thing. Maybe they are still tender with Drew Smiley. Like none of these guys, I mean, with the exception of um, uh, uh, Tyone, no, and maybe Stro, like you're not getting a lot of innings out of any of these arms, so like you're gonna have to figure it out somewhere else. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think it's gonna be all matchups, all committee, piggybacks, five closers, and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it. I like it as a Cubs fan. I I think this bullpen is going to be exactly what the Cubs have done the last few years, where they basically put together a bullpen that you didn't really see coming. It punches well above its weight. You wind up with a couple of guys who are on one, two-year deals that you can flip for prospects if you're out of it at the trade deadline. But the idea is that you have a lot of talent back there. I mean, we all remember the super pen that was like Ryan DePera, Andrew Chafin, and Craig Kimbrell for a while there before they all got traded to somebody else. I think that that is what the Cubs have done really well the last few years and they'll continue to do it. It just, I don't think it's helpful for fantasy baseball players. I do think it's very helpful if you're a Chicago Cubs fan that when David Ross gets those rare one run leads in the sixth or seventh inning, he should be able to close it down with some mix of the available arms in the bullpen. And and I really think that the, the way the Cubs are built right now with all of this pitch to contact stuff, really improved defense, but not necessarily super improved offense. They are looking to win a bunch of two, one games. They are looking to not make errors, win a bunch of two, one games and close it out. And that will theoretically allow them to punch above their Pakoda value. I mean, that's the hope it's, (laughs) It, it is. It really is. It, it, Hope it springs is. a turtle on the corner of Clark and Addison. Well, here's what they've been good at. I mean, 
they weren't the best. Like in the most important measure of a bullpen is do they give up runs? I think, and they had a, a ERA over four, which was towards the bottom of the league. So it wasn't necessarily effective. Where they were quite effective last year, and you've got a lot of the same guys coming back, but it's uh, they were fourth in strikeouts per nine, fourth overall. I'm looking at right here. Um, and they didn't walk a lot of guys. So it, it was, they were 20, they were eighth best in that. Uh, no, actually, sorry. Eighth worst. I'm looking at it upside down. They Danny, were, those are opposite things. Yeah, those are opposite <laughs> things. Yeah. So, uh, so they were still walking guys, but, the, but the strikeouts are there and that's what you need out of your bullpen. You know, it, you, you, you just want to. Somebody comes in, they're on base. What do you need? A strike. They got men on base. Oh, the bases are jammed. You need two strikeouts in a row so that nobody scores because there's too many ways to score. Like that's what a bullpen is supposed to do. Uh, that's what they they have to do. And we've had it um, as far from the strikeout. Um, but you say it's a crowded bullpen. I mean, it's crowded with a lot of average. These are all like just that nobody is got re- re- a really. I mean, nobody has got that much high potential. I mean, nobody's hitting. I mean, because Manrod, Manny Rodriguez, he throws a hundred. Um, the the guy you just mentioned, um, just just under right. And then, but who's the guy you just mentioned? Um, Estrada. No, no, I, I'm saying Manny Rodriguez does throw a hundred, but it's kind of flat. Like it's like a hundred that's hittable. It reminds me of Nathan Avaldi a lot because I watched Avaldi when he was with the Yankees a lot before he became a Red Sox and like kind of figured out how to miss bats. It's like you throw a hundred flat, batters yeah. can just hammer that, right? Um, yeah, Jeremiah Estrada is the opposite of what I think Manny Rodriguez is, where where the pitches just move. Like the, the movement on Estrada's pitches is really impressive. Yeah. It's just totally unproven at this point. And then you have also uh Cody Hoyer, I guess is somehow on this team eventually. So, well, I guess. He's the, he was the big return. The, in my opinion, the real return for Craig Kimbrell. I know everybody thought it was Nick Madrigal, but I think Cody Hoyer is the real return there because that's a dude who can theoretically close for, be the closer of your future. And then you have a guy who's like, you know, he's, he's making the league minimum for three years as he establishes himself as a closer when the next Cubs team is ready to be good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, we just don't know really what we have yet. It, nothing is really, they're going to figure that out at spring training. Like we are really going into this spring with a lot of questions at the, in the bullpen, how they're going to utilize it. And like, I, I guess it's, it's crowded in a way, but it it's crowded with not they're going to have to earn these jobs. Like, I don't know if there's going to be trades. There's obviously going to be some releases. They've got a few too many uh, guys, but cause you, you know, that ba- Boxberger, cause they just signed him as a lock. And you also know that Michael Fulmer is a lock cause they just signed him. Um, other than that, like, you know, your Brandon Hughes of the world. I'm even sure that guy's got options, you know, um, pretty sure he does. Um, I haven't looked any of this stuff up, but, um, he should have options. He made his major league debut last year. Last year. Yeah, exactly. So they might be making decisions based upon that, even though Brandon was, uh, I don't know, he was hit and miss, but somewhat effective last year, ended up with a three twelve VRA and got into actually 57 games. Plus he came and saw the bleacher bum band. So I'm a big fan and I hope they don't <laughs> send him down, but you, you know, how much of these are going to be like the long, the long men situation towards the back end. And, um, I mean, even Fulmer, it's not it's not the most high end arm. He came highly touted, first round pick, was a starter, had Tommy John, came back as a bullpen guy, but like, you know, it's like he's not blowing any one away. I'm like looking at his pitch mix, ninety on the slider, where he which he primarily throws, ninety four on the fastball, ninety four on the sinker. Like this is good pitch mix, you know, especially because he was a starter, getting that pitch mix that's more than one pitch at the back end of your bullpen is different. It's a different employ than we usually see. I agree with that. I, I want to say one last thing. Cause I, you brought up the cumulative reliever stats, like ERA strikeouts, those types of things. I love those. I do think there's a note of caution there, particularly for how the Cubs use their bullpen. And it's not easy to run this split on a tool like Fangrass. The Cubs have a, we're winning bullpen. 
and they have a we're losing bullpen. Yeah, that's a good and, point. <laughs> and the we're winning bullpen usually doesn't surrender runs or like rarely surrenders runs. Whereas the we're losing bullpen included Frank Schwindel. So like, <laughs> I think that one of the things when you're looking at bullpen stats collectively to remember is that you can have a pretty good bullpen, even if some of those aggregate numbers are not very good because they're taking the David Robertson innings and they're coupling them with the Michael Rucker innings. And frankly, like Rucker is being used in one set of circumstances and Robertson is being used in another set of circumstances. And nobody cares if you lost a game by eight runs or four, but they do care if you won a game by one. Yeah. I'm looking at it here. They, they dropped to 10th in strikeouts per nine. Um, the Cubs last year, the bullpen uh, in, in uh, losses. Yeah, it, it, it's like one of those weird situations where it's like, well, we've got three guys who can get us through these last three innings and we're only going to use them if we have a lead. <laughs> yeah. And uh, gosh, their the team ERA, actually, they, they sadly, they get, um, they're better. Like they, they come in, they're average in the major Dude. leagues. Five. <laughs> I, some, so the t- teams are, the teams are actually so doing mid. that more. The Cubs are so mid. Like, I just can't. I God bless all of the listeners and readers at BCB who think this is an 85 to 88 win team because I just don't see it. But I love you all, and I'm so glad that you're so optimistic and excited about what Jed Hoyer has built on the north side of Chicago. Hey, it's 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 not been a bad winter, so people are maybe feeling a little positive than more than they should. Um, let, Check out this. It, this is a crazy stack just because I happen to be on it. The National League Championship Phillies in their 75 losses have a 606 ERA out of their bullpen. <laughs> like, so there are teams doing that even more. Like, the, oh, the Phillies-, Phillies are a great example. The Phillies had a bullpen that was either lights out or absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So in all the losses, which they were probably responsible for a fair amount of um, the uh, yeah, they they were just absolutely terrible. But, you know, it just shows how it doesn't really matter that much because they were seventh worst, but ended up the <laughs> first in the National League. Um, whereas that's what Jed one, Boyer is hoping for. He's like, we're, we're going to go. We're going to 84 games. We're going to make it to the postseason and go. <laughs> but. Here are the top five teams and losses. Yankees, Dodgers, Astros, Rays, Guardians, Mariners, all those oh, teams. Wow. Teams who are good. The, yeah. Teams who are good. Yeah. So wild how that works. Let's talk, let's end this show on a high note. Uh Seiya Suzuki hit the gym. And like, look, I know he became a new dad uh at the end of last season for the first time. And this is not a dad bod. Like I Seiya Suzuki <laughs> is thick, y'all. Like he I I think he gained 20 pounds of pure muscle. Danny, I have a question for you. Does this help or hurt Saya? Because I am thinking, I used to say like 20, 25 bombs. I'm now thinking closer to 25, 30 bombs, but I'm not sure he can run as fast because frankly, the muscles might get in the way of the speed, but the bases are bigger. So maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know, Danny, what are you thinking from Saya? I mean, it can only help. <laughs> I mean, it, we were. I was really hoping he was going to have a little bit more pop than he did. He got injured a little bit last year. So, but I'm all here for like, you know, say a bombs like that i mean if if he can because that's the thing that the cubs sorely lack like in the power rankings they're pretty low they might have multiple guys that can hit you 20 if all goes well um but that which is cool because then you can spread around the power in your lineup that's interesting but we don't have anybody that's a lock for 30 they're just not is not that guy on the team and it would be nice if say emerged as somebody that all of a sudden found his power stroke because he certainly hit them in japan now yes. now i know it's a completely different league and you know the talent level is different but it's still a major league so um i would love to see that if if that is his goal with all this that's kind of interesting. And I hope I mean, it doesn't change his swing. I will say, and we talked about this a few weeks ago when I was going on my, the Cubs have guys, but no capital G guys rant. Uh, I will say, I think Saya is the one person on the team that I think could be a capital G guy. Like I, I would not be surprised if he breaks out this year, just like totally figures out the league, hits 30 home runs, plays a full season, establishes himself as the Cubs leader. And next year we're coming into the season talking about 
who are we going to add to help say a Suzuki lead this Cubs team? And everybody has no offense, Dansby. I think you're great. You have great hair. And everybody has sort of forgotten that Dansby Swanson was the big signing because they're looking to like partner Seiya Suzuki with someone else to like lead the new Cubs. Well, and Seiya is going to be here for four more years, including this one. So um, it's no trade, right? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I'll Five years, check no that trade. For the next time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so Seiya, we love you. You are swole. We can't wait to watch you hit some bombs. Uh, Danny, when we're cheering for Seiya Suzuki to hit some bombs in the next week as baseball gets started, although I think Seiya is playing for Team Japan, so we won't see him as much in spring training because he's going to be playing for Team Japan. Uh, where can people find you? Where can they hear about what we have coming up next? Uh, make sure you're following the Cup of Cubby Blue stream. Make sure that you're subscribed so you can follow us wherever we go because that you're, you will be able to follow us a little bit. But Danny, where can people follow you to learn how to follow us? Yeah, at Sunranto. Just follow me there. You can email me. You can email me at DannyRocket with two T's at gmail.com. So just <laughs> nice. just drop me a line, say hi. <laughs> I'm not giving out my email address on this show. Um, but call the, you call can... the hotline too. I always forget to, that I have a hotline. You have a hotline? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do. 872-216-5375. Call, tell me how you're feeling about the Cubs, and I'll put you on the Sunranto show for fun. And we'll talk. <laughs> we'll make fun of what you said or agree with you or whatever happens. Well, I can't promise anything, but. But yeah, put it put 872-216-5375. Call my hotline. I was going to say the big difference between being a man and woman on the internet is, is evidenced in that whole thing right there. Cause Danny's like giving out his email address and a hotline and under no circumstances am I doing either one of those things, but you can follow me on Twitter at at BCB underscore Sarah. You can also find me on all the other like Twitter alternatives in case Twitter breaks down at at BCB underscore Sarah, Instagram, Mastodon post, whatever. I'm sure there's some other ones I signed up for just in case. Uh, you can find us at at Cup of Cubby Blue. You can follow us wherever you get your podcast. If you like the show, leave us a five-star review and rating. And we are looking forward to bringing you great Cubs content all season long, even though we're going to change the name and things are going to look a little different at the start of March. So stay tuned for that. Until next time, baseball is back, y'all. Smile, be happy, go Cubs. <laughs>